Well, good morning. Welcome to Horizon. Thank you for singing together. I love that. Uh, Neil's right. This time of worshiping together really is something unique, something special, a privilege that we have that we get to share. And so I'm thankful for all of you being a part of that. And I'm thankful that you're here with us as we continue our journey through Luke's historical record of the life of Jesus Christ. Now, we're calling kind of this next phase of the journey personal trainer. And part of the reason for that is because as you watch over the next few weeks, Luke really writes with a focus on how Jesus is preparing his disciples to take forth the kingdom that he has given them. How they can take what Jesus is teaching them, what they've been learning, the good news of who Jesus is, really beginning to understand why Jesus was here, and share that kingdom with the people around them. And so there are some of the things in these passages that, as they were his disciples, if we are his disciples, there's some perspective for us there too. Now tonight, we have come, or this morning, we've come as far as Luke chapter 9, and I want to just read you this event, because this is one of probably the more familiar events in the life of Jesus, what we've come to know as the feeding of the 5,000. So this comes from Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. It says, When the day began to wear away... The twelve came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude, so they all ate and were filled. And twelve baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. I don't know about you, but I've heard this event, this story, this moment so many times that it's easy to just kind of read right past that and say, oh yeah, I remember that, the time that Jesus multiplied the bread. What happens next? Well, we're going to slow down a little bit this morning because there's a lot more going on here than just kind of a a neat miracle. In fact, the feeding of the 5,000, this moment that we're digging into right now is the only miracle besides the resurrection. The only miracle besides Jesus coming back from the dead that appears in all four historical accounts of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, every single one of them, this is the only miracle besides the resurrection that occurs in all four. So what is it about this miracle? What is it about the feeding of the 5,000 that all four of those guys say, I know he's writing about it, I know he wrote about it, but this has to be in here. I have to get this one down. Well, we're going to get there, but let's start here. Because if Jesus is using this as a moment to train, then he's got a perspective for us here that I think is the same as what he had for his disciples. Because you notice, as we read that event, you don't really hear much about the reaction of the crowd. Most of the interaction is with Jesus and his disciples. And I think that there's something that's true for the crowd that is also true for the disciples, although it's less obvious, that is also true for us. And I might put it this way. When you think you are empty, 
you can be filled. When you think you are empty, you can be filled. Now the problem for us sometimes is twofold. Either we don't think we're empty, right? We've got so much going on in life. We're we're so busy. We're so well-fed. We have so much entertainment. Life feels full that either we think we've got a handle on this or we're just not even paying attention. And we don't realize possibly the depth of our need, how empty we might be. Right, this crowd, if you remember a couple weeks ago when uh, Chad was teaching, a couple verses before this, Jesus' disciples had just come back from preaching the kingdom, healing people, and now they were going to step away to this deserted place so they could rest. But the crowd chases Jesus around the lake <laughs> to meet him there. They're not going to be left behind. And so even though they were in a place of rest, it says that Jesus received them. See, the crowd, for whatever they thought, they believed there was something they were missing that Jesus might be able to give them. Now, of course, in our story, as the day wears on, literally they are empty. They haven't eaten all day because they've been listening to Jesus all day and now they want to be filled. But we'll notice that this is actually true for the disciples as well because sometimes we don't think we're empty, but sometimes we think we're too empty that we can't really maybe serve God the way that we want to or the way that he might be inviting us to because we think we're too empty. We don't have what it takes. So watch what happens in this story because in verse 12, it says, when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away. All right, so this is their solution to the problem. The day's almost over. We don't have food. There aren't any towns that are big enough and close enough for all these people to eat. We need to send them away now if they're even gonna have a chance. But notice what Jesus says. and He says, you give them something to eat. Now, because this event appears in all four historical accounts of Jesus' life, we'll lean into those a little bit more than we might usually, because John 6 especially gives us some really interesting details here. He has this same statement that Jesus says, you give them something to eat. What's 5,000 men plus women and children? Come on, guys, go feed them. John includes the note that Jesus said this to test them, because he already knew what he was going to do. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? He, he says, you give them something to eat to see how they would react. Because he already knew what he was going to do. See, I think there's something that he wants them to recognize about themselves. Because then they can recognize something about him. That's a big part of what is happening in this miracle. Much more than just... Isn't Jesus cool? He can multiply bread. There's something going on here that he wants them to recognize about him. But first we have to recognize something about ourselves. So it goes on. Verse 13, he says, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves, two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. All right, you hear their line of thinking? Very similar to our own many times when God says, I've got an opportunity for you, right? Because he's inviting them into this. He he could just do it himself, but he's saying, you feed them. And their response, Jesus, the need is too big. We do not have enough resources. We do not have enough money. We do not have enough time. Jesus, we don't have enough. We don't have what it takes We're coming up empty. 
I think this is what he wants them to recognize. I think it's what he wants us to recognize. Can you recognize your emptiness? Can you recognize your emptiness? Because essentially what his followers are saying is, you've asked us to do this, but we don't have what it takes. You ever feel that way? I can tell you, I've, I've felt that way a lot of times in my life. You feel like there's something that he lays before you. It's, it's a change he wants to make in you, or it's an opportunity he puts before you to share his kingdom. Something that, that you feel like you read it in this word, and maybe you hear it when you're talking with other people, and you, you want to go for it, but you just feel like you don't have what it takes. You don't have enough self-control. You don't have enough joy. You don't have enough peace. You don't have enough energy. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough resources. And we kind of give Jesus that same response. Now, this isn't really to pick on the disciples because it's reasonable, right? Five loaves, and these were not like Buskin Bakery loaves. These are barley loaves, maybe about the size of a bagel. I mean, small and two small fish for 5,000 men. And in fact, the other gospels tell us when it says 5,000 men, it means 5,000 men plus women and children. Now, I don't know if all of the men were like me, but if I was there and I brought my family, I'm one of 5,000, but I brought my wife and four children with me. <laughs> so this 5,000 people could be 10, 15, 20,000. We don't know the exact number, but we know it's at least 5,000 and likely much more. To, to try to get a sense of this, have you been to the Aronoff downtown? Okay, so I pulled up the Aronoff to see how many people that would seat. You, you can see almost all of the seats in the Aronoff here. The Aronoff seats 2,700 people. So imagine all those seats full of people who haven't eaten anything today and then double it or probably triple it, quadruple it. That's how many people we're talking about here. And, and John 6 gives us some, again, some excellent detail on the conversation that happens here because Luke keeps it kind of simple. But apparently Jesus had actually asked Philip directly to go buy these people food. Philip answers him, 200 denarii, like a year's wages worth of bread. It's not sufficient for them that every one of them may even have a little. Then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, and I love this moment. This is, this is the guy who like, he hasn't really thought through the numbers like Philip has, but he's trying to be helpful. He goes out into the crowd. He finds a boy that brought his little sack lunch, a few little loaves of bread, a couple of little fish. And, and this is what Andrew says. Well, uh, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. And then it's almost like he looks back at the crowd, <laughs> looks back at five loaves, and says, but what are they among so many? I, I didn't really think that was going to help, Jesus. I just, I'm just saying that's all we have. Right? You can imagine the moment. It's true, isn't it? They don't have enough. It's true, isn't it? They are coming up empty. Now, they just came back from preaching the kingdom, from healing people with the power of God. And then Jesus gives them this moment to realize, in and of themselves, in and of ourselves, we come up empty. It's really a fascinating moment that this would be part of their training. 
That this would be part of them recognizing something in their cells so they can recognize something in him. So I wonder if we can recognize it in us. So, so think about those two examples I gave you earlier. When, when we recognize our emptiness. Because maybe you identify with one of these. Either you don't think you're empty or you think you're too empty. So I think both of those kind of show up in this passage. Because when you think about 5,000 men plus women and children, how many people were there that day? Here's a different question. How many people weren't there that day? Like how many people were invited? Hey, we heard Jesus is on the other side of the lake and we're going right now. We heard he can teach. We heard he changes lives. We heard he has healing. Like how many people said, I don't need that and didn't go? I don't know. It doesn't tell us that. But it does tell me that there was something in the people who showed up that they realized there was something empty in them. That there was something that Jesus might have for them. You know, especially living in a first world country, we feel like we have everything we need. And we know how to get it. And if we want a little bit more, we just work a little bit more. Right? But no matter what, in our lives, we always find these moments where we start to wonder, is this really all there is? Because we can have as much food as we want. We can work as hard as we want. We can make more money. We can get that promotion. We set that goal. We achieve that goal. Is this all there is? There's a reason that Tom Brady has won multiple Super Bowls. And after that, he does an interview where he literally says, is this all there is? There's a reason that Michael Jordan has won multiple championships, six-time finals MVP, and at his Hall of Fame speech, He's insulting people because he's still trying to win something. And he follows that with an interview where he literally says, is this all there is? Like now that I don't have that thing anymore, now that I've reached that pinnacle, once I finally got there, how is it that I still feel empty? And we look at our relationships. We look at our marriages. We say, this isn't going how I expected it to go. And we begin to chase other things, other temptations, pornography, affairs. You know, we look at our jobs and we say, this, this was the thing I was aiming for. This is the position I've wanted. This was the, the, the raise. This was the salary. But now that I've got it, I need to go for this position, this raise, that salary. We try to fill our lives with other things that don't fill us unless we recognize that we're empty and we come to Jesus to be filled. But maybe you feel more like the second one. And I think this is where the disciples are. That we think we're too empty. Maybe you are a follower of Christ. You are one of his disciples. He leads you into his kingdom. And he says, now I've got kingdom work for you to do. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to empower you. My spirit is going to give you gifts. You're going to love this. And you're going to see God work in ways you can't even imagine. And you feel like, Jesus, I don't have what it takes the accuser comes after you with that regret or that thing that happened. Or you remember that time you tried and it, and it didn't work out. Or you want to, but so much of your energy is spent on the stress of today, the anxiety of today, the fear of tomorrow that you feel like, not right now. That would take, I mean, if the bread took a year's wages, that would take like a year's commitment. I, I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I, I, I don't have enough. I'm coming up empty. 
Jesus, I know you say you forgive me, but who am I to even think that I could be involved in your ministry in this place, in that place? And we come to him and we say, all of my time, all of my resources, all of my, my gifts, Jesus, they feel like five loaves and two fish. It's not enough. You see, both of those are dangerous places to be. One, because if we don't think we're empty, we don't come to him. And two, because if we think we're too empty, he can't use me, then we might miss the opportunity that the disciples had right here to be a part of the only miracle in all four Gospels. But watch how we recognize his provision when we're empty. Verse 14, then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so, made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, it says he blessed and broke them. Now this word blessed is like he said a prayer of thanks to God for the bread that was about to be provided. In fact, there was a very common prayer that the Hebrews would say that went like this. Blessed art thou, Jehovah, Yahweh, our God, king of the world who causes bread to come forth from the earth. That God is uniquely recognized as the one who provides provision by the one who gives enough. It says, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. Not they all ate and, and had a taste. They all ate and were filled. It's been kind of fun around our house lately. My kids have been learning sign language. Uh, my wife is teaching them sign language class. And, and what's funny about this is they don't realize dad is not in sign language class with them. <laughs> so I come home from work at the end of the day and my kids are like... You know, all, so hopefully I didn't say anything bad right there. <laughs> I know this is Bat. We've been working on Batman. So, And, and this, I always thought was like, meh, meh. Apparently this is dad. So I get this one a lot. <laughs> so I, I come home and they're saying all these things and I don't know what they're saying and they have to explain it to me. But one of them that they just learned in the last couple of weeks is full. So when we give them dinner, now when I say, you know, they want to leave the table. Well, are you full? Yeah, dad, I'm this is what Jesus is offering us. When we feel empty, when we feel like we don't have enough, he doesn't just give us a taste. It makes us full. Right? If he came to give life and life abundant, how many times do we hold ourselves back because we think there's not enough because we think the resources are scarce, instead of doing what this young boy did, instead of doing what the disciples did and saying, well, this is all I have, so you're going to have to do it, Jesus. But they got to be a part of it. Because he says, pass this out, and they get to. They get to serve that crowd. I'd encourage you to think about that, because they're being trained to take the kingdom to the people that they know, to their friends, to their neighbors. And you know what? So are we. In fact, that's a big part of why we have an equipping service. What we call equipping ministry here at Horizon is the idea that we are equipping one another as followers of Christ to share the kingdom with our friends, with our neighbors. And look, I know that sometimes it feels like, well, he's a pastor, he's trained for this, that's probably easy. No, it's not. 
That is not why I'm here. I'm not, I'm not here because it's easy. I'm not here because like my training made me good at it. I'm here because I feel empty all the time. And I come to Jesus and say, you're going to have to do it. And one of the best stories that I, I can share with you of this happening, a friend of mine and I were, were going to go out to lunch. And we'd been friends for a number of years and had kind of just hit this place where he was starting to kind of ask questions about God. And I thought, okay, this is like my chance, right? <laughs> like, this is the moment and God must be doing something. And so I remember that day driving to lunch, because we'd had lunch before, but this was going to be like the day. And I knew I was going to make it happen. Like, he's ready and I know it, and so I can, I can do this thing. See, just notice that problematic phrase, I'm going to, I can do this. If he says this, I'll say this. If he says that, I'll say this. If he sa- I had all these plans in my head for how do I could take whatever he said and turn it into a spiritual conversation. You know, stuff like, if he says bread, I'll be like, you know about the times that Jesus multiplied the bread and fed the, fu-? you know, wh- whatever. S- s- kind of goofy stuff, right? But I just, I wanted it so bad. And I was coming up with how I would do it. So I get there, we get to lunch, we order our food, and I'm like, high alert, right? Anything he says, anything he says, I'm, I can do this, I got this. Thing. Okay? You know what he says? You ready for this? Okay, this is how God provides. He says, so Drew, I got a question for you. All right, man, shoot. So I've been reading the book of Genesis. Well, you think I can turn that into a spiritual conversation about God? <laughs> you know what just struck me? I do not make this happen. God is at work in so many ways that we can't imagine, we can't control, we can't do. And when we think we don't have enough, and even when we think we can try to make it be enough, God says, I will provide. I will provide. And look, he didn't always do it in a miraculous way like this. Jesus had many, many meals on planet Earth where he just sat down and there was one loaf and they broke it up like one loaf and they ate it until one loaf was gone. Now, there's times where his disciples are walking through the field. They're hungry enough. They're just picking the grain right out of the field, right? So it's not always some physics-breaking moment. But he will always provide. He is the provider. And there are so many stories, just like mine with my friend. You know, just last night, we celebrated baptism here, right out on the terrace in the baptismal. And one of the things that I love when we celebrate baptisms is you hear stories like that over and over and over. And if you're a Christ follower, you know it's part of your story too, right? People always mention a a message they heard or a song they heard or or a friend who, who talked to them. But you know what happens if you ask the person who spoke that message, ask the person who wrote that song, ask the friend who had that conversation? They'll all tell you, it wasn't me. Like only God can do this. We had a gal baptized last night. This is so great. By her dad, with whom her relationship has been broken for decades. And in the last couple months, she went to her dad, they reconciled, and here he is in Horizons Baptismal celebrating her new life in Christ on a Saturday evening. I'm telling you, if you, if you haven't come to a baptism, watch for the next one. They're, they're so fantastic because you see how God does things that only God can do. Right? That this is the way that he is the provider. That he gives us those opportunities. And when we feel like we don't have enough, we feel like it's taking too long, we feel like there's no hope, 
Maybe he's saying, you feed him. But he's thinking, watch what I'm going to do. You know, it kind of begs the question, when they see a man like this break the bread like that, this is something that 5,000 plus people have never seen before. You have to wonder, who is this man? Who is this Jesus who can do that thing? Right, this is the part about how, I think, why this is in all four Gospels. Because what he has done here is so unique that it is meant to reveal who he is. Not just a man, not just a prophet, but watch this. I want to take you back a few hundred years, all the way back to the book of 2 Kings. Now, I'm just going to read this to you. It's a story about Elisha. You tell me if this sounds familiar. 2 Kings 4, starting in 42. Then a man came from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits. That man of God is Elisha. He brought him 20 loaves of barley bread and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, Give it to the people that they may eat. But his servant said, What? Shall I set this before 100 men? Okay, listen. Not just 100 men, 100 soldiers, and they are hungry. That is one loaf for every five grown, hungry soldiers. You think that's enough? I don't think so. He says, what? Shall I set this before 100 men? But he said again, give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over. How? According to the word of the Lord. That name, Lord, when you see it written in all capital letters like that, because in English we have different words, Lord, right? When you see it in the lowercase, it's like Lord of the Castle or, or Little Lord Fauntleroy or whatever. When you see it in capital letters like this, that stands for the name of God, Yahweh. Jehovah, God Almighty, God the provider. When there is not enough, if the Lord says there's enough, there's enough. A miracle happened on that day. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it? After what we just read, five loaves for 5,000 plus, 20 for 100, <laughs> It almost doesn't sound impressive anymore, doesn't it? And yet it wasn't enough, but because God said it was, it was. Let me take you back a few hundred more years. John 6 records this again, and this actually comes from Exodus 16. You see, back in Exodus, as God's people were wandering in the wilderness, they did not have enough food to eat, and so God performed a miracle. He sent manna from heaven, bread from the sky, and every single day, God would send manna so that the people would have something to eat. And it was literally daily bread. If people tried to take enough for the second day, just in case God didn't provide, you know, stuff it under the pillow, and you wake up in the morning, you move your pillow, you have rancid, maggoty bread. It was just enough, just what they needed, the provision God gave for the day. The only time it would last two days was over the Sabbath, so they wouldn't have to gather on the day of rest. So he provided manna in the wilderness. 
Bread from God himself. Bread that only God can provide. And in John chapter 6, the people kind of challenge Jesus. They say, Moses was this great prophet. He gave us manna. What are you going to do? And Jesus is thinking, like, what did I just do? (laughs) But notice what he says to them here. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus is pointing out to them that just like with Elisha, that bread did not come from Elisha. It came from God. The same thing with Moses. That bread did not come from Moses. That bread came from God. Now there is someone here who is greater than Elisha. Elisha had one for every five people. Jesus had one for every thousand, two thousand, three thousand. An even greater prophet. I mean, that would be like, this bagel came from the atrium, by the way. You you recognize these bagels, don't you? You've seen this happen, right? Every time that, let's just say one of my kids (laughs) gets a coffee cup or two, fills them with bagels. They need eight or nine pieces, right? To to be enough for like a six-year-old. If Jesus was here, this piece, well, let's... This piece is enough for everyone in this room right now to be filled. If I hand that to somebody in the front row, in the back, you think you're getting any? (laughs) But this is what Jesus does. There is someone here who's doing an act of creation with the bread. What only Yahweh does. What only the Lord Almighty, the Lord, the provider, Jehovah Jireh only can do. When people challenge you and say that Jesus never called himself God, you tell them there is a reason that the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four accounts of Jesus' life because this is Jesus demonstrating beyond a shadow of a doubt that he can do what only God can do because he is God in the flesh. And he's about to give his flesh to be our daily bread. That no matter what we are facing, no matter what we have been through, no matter what mistakes we have made, no matter what opportunities are in front of us, he has more than enough. In fact, if you fast forward a few chapters in Luke, you see how closely Jesus ties this language to really what he has come here to do. Because even now, they may recognize a prophet or a miracle worker. They may begin to call him Messiah. But in the coming weeks, we'll see how Jesus unpacks what it actually means that he is the Christ, why he is actually here. And look at how similar this language is. In Luke 9, as he feeds the 5,000, he took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples. Just a few chapters later, as he sits at the Last Supper, the last meal he would share with them, the last time they would break bread before he went to the cross, 
to pay the price, to shed his blood, to give his flesh, that we might not eat for a day and die, but that we might live forever. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is your daily bread. Do you recognize him as your daily bread? Because listen, we can, we can recognize his compassion, we can recognize our emptiness, we can recognize his provision, but until we come to him and say, Jesus, I need you to be my daily bread, we won't be filled. It was true in Exodus 16, it was true in 2 Kings 4, it's true in John 6, it's true in Luke 22, and it is true right now for you today. That he wants to be your daily bread. Kind of gives new meaning to that phrase. You think about how we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Like in my house, in my family, right here in this community, in Cincinnati, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. A couple weeks ago, I had a conversation with a friend who, who was talking about communion and how much he loves when, once a month when we celebrate communion because it just gives him an opportunity to slow down and focus on God. And how he feels like he doesn't get to do that very much. And so communion, celebrating the Lord's Supper together as we do, becomes really special for him. And then this week, I was talking to uh, another friend, and he said, you know, he doesn't read the Bible very much, but he likes that he can come to Horizon because then we read the Bible and kind of help him understand it. I thought, you know what? Both of those are really good points because that's what I love about communion too. A time to slow down, to, to check my heart, to confess things that I need to confess and to remember his forgiveness through his sacrifice. And, and really, that's what I love too. When Chad's up here, Doug's up here, we have special speakers up here and, and we get to just hear the word and understand it and, and begin to apply it to our own lives. But then there's another thought I had. Why once a month? Why once a week? You know, we often talk like, I, I just love the weekends because I come in here and I get filled and that carries me through the week. Well, let's, let's talk about bread. How strange would it sound if I came to you and I said, I really love Sunday afternoons, you know, because Sundays are when I eat. And I try to eat like really a lot, you know, and like really focus on my eating because hopefully it's going to last me for the rest of the week. And then next Sunday I'm going to eat again. It's going to be great. <laughs> Wait a minute, why wouldn't you eat every day? I love communion, man, when that comes around once a month. Yeah, I love that too. We all get to eat together, but how weird if I said, yeah, once a month, the first Sunday of every month, I try to eat like a really big meal and, and hopefully that's like enough. Why not eat every day? See, this is how you recognize him as your daily bread. And on one level, it's as easy as saying, read your Bible and pray, right? But that's not always as simple as it sounds, is it? Because... We don't always realize how empty we are. We're so full. Our schedules are so full. It's hard to carve that time. But I can tell you, I was talking to my brother recently, and he was saying something to me about an area of my life where he just felt like he'd seen me grow a lot. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's... I sure was hoping I had, so thank you for that affirmation. And, and, and it was the easiest thing in the world to tell him how I felt like I'd made progress there. It was. No matter how early the kids wake up, I'm waking up earlier. No matter what time I got to be in the office, I'm getting up earlier because I am going to start my day 
with a meal of the word of God and just some prayer. You know, to be able to take something, even just like this passage, you know, to read a little bit of his word and then just pray it back to him. God, I want to be filled like that crowd was filled. But I, honestly, Lord, this morning, I feel like those disciples, like I don't have enough and I know what I've got planned today, but I, don't, I know that I don't really know what's coming. So would you break the bread? Would you be my daily bread? Would you fill me up with what I need for today? Would you do the work, Lord, that I can celebrate you and give thanks the way you did? You're just to pray scripture back to him. And then as you go through that day, when you have that moment, when that temptation feels a lot stronger than you expected, like you thought you'd move past this thing, but now here it is and it's right before you and there's a decision to make. Don't go into it like I went into lunch with my friends saying, I'm, I'm, I can do this. I can make this happen. I'm going to power up. I'm going to overcome it. No, stop and say, hey, I don't feel like I have enough right now, but I know you said you are my daily bread. Help me right now in this moment, in this temptation, in this argument, when this anxious thought just keeps coming back to me again and again, Lord Jesus, be my daily bread. Because I know that you've promised you can give me everything that I need for today so that I'm not empty, I am full. Then in the last verse of the passage, there's one more phrase I think is worth remembering here. He says, they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, who wants leftovers, right? But you've got to focus on the word fragment here. Because the, the idea that's there is not like, you know, these little chewed up pieces that somebody left behind. The idea is there that they had 12 baskets worth of complete bagels left over. 12 baskets worth of extras. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if I go somewhere and we all eat and there's leftovers, the very selfish part of me is thinking, I could have eaten more. <laughs> the unselfish part of me, though, starts to think to myself, I could have brought a friend. There's enough food here. There's more than enough food. All of us were filled and we could have brought friends to experience the bread of life that Jesus gives. You know, maybe you've never taken him up on that. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, be my daily bread. Maybe today is a day for you to do that. If you have, if you call yourself a brother, a sister in Christ, then this is a moment to realize that Jesus has enough to fill you up, but he has enough for your friends, your neighbors, the people that you work with, the people that you love. So invite them to this meal. Invite them to explore God in the flesh, the bread giver, the life giver, our daily bread. Because I believe that these leftovers, these fragments, these pieces are for us, they're for me, and they're for you. So that we can go out into his kingdom and share the truth, the love, the peace, the fullness that he's given us. You know, we actually have kind of a unique opportunity today to celebrate someone, to thank God for someone who has done that exact thing for decades now, who has gone out to share God's kingdom, to share with other people how he has been filled so that they can be filled, and today we are celebrating his retirement. So would you welcome to our stage, Doug Daly.
Now, if you know Doug at all, you know that he doesn't really want to be standing here having all this attention, but too bad, Doug. (laughs) Doug, we just want to thank God for you, because uh, I know that I've known you for, I think, about six years, and during that time, it has been amazing to me how much I have learned from you. The wisdom of your years, just as a dad, um, I even, I was talking to somebody literally this morning in the atrium and said, I know, I was flipping through my message notes and I found this one from Doug in Esther two Januarys ago and it was like exactly the words I needed just in these last two weeks. So I know that I personally benefited from things like that and I'm thankful to God for you. I also know that there have been decades of faithful ministry like that before I even knew you and that uh, you've been bearing fruit for his kingdom in many ways for these many years. And I know that you don't take credit for any of it. I think that's one of the things that I appreciate so much about you is that, that you live out this kind of passage, that you are a man who says, I don't have enough, but watch what God can do. And so uh, as we kind of send you off into your retirement, I know that that work is not done. I know that he's still using you in your family and in the relationships that you're building. And there are some relationships here that you have built into, and I've actually asked just a few guys if you would come up a few of the guys that you have impacted that uh, we're just going to lay hands on you and pray over you today as we kind of send you into the next phase of your life and, and just give God thanks for you. Uh, and I've asked that uh, one of our elders, Mike, is going to pray for you this morning as we just give God thanks for your work and for your friendship. Dear Lord, we uh, continue to celebrate you this morning as we celebrate the life of Doug and Patty and the impact and the service they've had here at Horizon. Uh, We just thank you that many years ago they answered their personal call to Christ. Hmm. We thank you that they answered the call to come to Horizon years ago. And so in retirement, we wish them well and we pray for them, but we sense it won't be like retirement as we think of it, but they will continue to impact people, the lives of people, their family as they go forward. So thank you in the name of Christ. Amen. 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 And I want all of you to have the chance too to uh, thank Doug. Uh, sorry, you can leave the stage now if you want. <laughs> but I want you to have the chance to thank him too. Yeah, absolutely. We thank him for you, Doug. We absolutely do. That, that, is, uh, that is thanks for you and thanks to God. And I want all of you to have a chance to do that. So we are throwing a big party for Doug this afternoon at 3.30. So whatever you're doing between now and then, uh, if you would like to come back and just celebrate uh, uh, Doug's retirement with us, we'll be doing that today at 3.30. And then we will either see you back for that party or back next week for more in the Gospel of Luke. Thank you for coming.